Welcome to Game Pinions Episode 4. It's actually Episode 5. I just had to say Episode 4 because I felt bad that I didn't say Episode 4 on Episode 4. I don't want Episode 4 to be, you know, left out of the whole entire Game Pinions lore here. Years down the line, it's like, hey, whatever happened to Episode 4? It was never said in the intro. Well, now it has been. It's been corrected. And so we're actually on Episode 5, though. My file names and my episode names, they're so... They're so janked up right now, and I have to go and fix them. So I'm actually probably going to do that after this episode. Go back and kind of fix the feed in terms of their file names. And hopefully everything just stays working and it doesn't fall apart underneath us. But uh, I'm finally back to making a podcast here, obviously. You know, unless this is some, you know, hologram or something like that. I don't know. But um, we were trying to buy a house, and things went janky again. So I'm staying right here for now. Uh, for, you know, at least for the foreseeable future. So I figured, you know what? It's time to bust out all of my equipment again. I haven't put all my decorations on my desk yet. Um, I'm still kind of, you know, waiting on that. It's just opening the boxes again and putting everything back out. I just don't know if I feel like it. So they might be staying in boxes until, you know, the time I move out, depending on, you know, how long I stay here for. So everything's kind of bare around me right now. I still have my green screen, obviously, and I still have, you know, my basic recording equipment. It's just been kind of, it's been kind of crazy uh, recently, but it's really good to be back and I've been dying to make a podcast. Um, I was on Twitter a couple nights ago. Um, I was talking about the whole IGN situation and I want to get into that. Um, it's just a very unfortunate situation and I feel bad for IGN. Um, before we go into that, I wanted to talk about some of the little news stories that have kind of popped up over the last couple days. Um, so on Tuesday, they basically, Nintendo revealed that Dark Souls is going to be coming out on October 19th for the Nintendo Switch. Something that I think a lot of us have been waiting for. And I know that it kind of sucks because it seems like almost like a common trend that these Nintendo third-party uh, games, or at least the third-party games that, you know, come out on the Nintendo systems. They always seem to have something wrong with them. They always are later released. It's kind of like going back to the Wii U days. It's like they had third-party support, but it was a lot later than when the game's actually released. It's something that just typically tends to happen. With this game, though, I think it's a little bit different because, honestly, I think this game had the most hype around it because it was on the Switch. I think most people were more excited to play it on the Switch than on any other system. So I think that the delay on this one, and I might have said this before, but I think the delay on this one actually isn't going to hurt it that much because this game, even in most of the previews, most of the, the, the places previewing this game were previewing it on the Nintendo Switch because it's just kind of a bigger deal. It doesn't really look, you know, vastly superior to the original uh, version of the game, but the fact that now you can play it on the go, it just takes on a completely different meaning people are more excited about the version on the Switch. At least that's what I've kind of gathered out of it. So it's it does suck that it had to wait till October. I think it's good, though, in a sense, because I think the Switch games do require a little bit more optimization, obviously, because they are not... It's not, you know, running the same kind of firepower as these other systems. Not necessarily a weak system. It just needs a little bit more uh, love and care to run properly in handheld mode, I'm sure. So I think that these you know, a few months that they've had to kind of refine the game, I think it's going to help it a lot. And I think that, you know, October is a good release point for it. It's, you know, right before the whole Smash Bros craze is going to start and it gives the Switch a nice little, you know, third-party game, uh, you know, before the end of the year. So 
I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be awesome. The, you know, judging from the or, you know early gameplay footage of it running on the Switch, it looks like it runs awesomely well. Uh, I always have said that if Dark Souls was on a handheld, I'd probably prefer it. Just to me, that kind of gameplay style just works better on a handheld. I tend to learn things better on the handheld because I think it's just a more personalized experience. It's just something that it's something that I've always kind of had. Uh, you know, I didn't really learn how to play Monster Hunter until it was on the 3DS. And, you know, specifically the 3DS XL, bigger screens, but closer. You can see what everything's doing. You can understand what's going on, you know, inventory management, just all that other stuff. It was just a lot easier on the Nintendo D, uh, 3DS XL. Um, so I think this is going to have the same effect for me on Switch. To me, it's just, it's a more personalized experience and you're just closer to the screen and it's, to I don't know, I'm just, I'm really excited about it. I'm, I'm really excited to jump into Dark Souls because I did play a tiny bit on Xbox and when I say a tiny bit, I mean like the, you know, opening sequence and that was it. I got to that one place where, you know, you're climbing up the little hill and then the guy just beats the crap out of you all the time. That's, that's the point I got to. Maybe no one else had that issue, but, uh, so yeah, I'm really excited about that. Um... I didn't get to talk about the whole Smash Bros. Direct. Um, I thought it was really cool, though. I thought it was awesome they put uh, King K. Rool in there. Um, Simon from freaking Castlevania. That's freaking awesome. Uh, Dark Samus. And there was one more. Uh, Krom. Yeah, Krom. So they added some really good characters there that I thought you know, fit the, the roster really well. King K. Rool is a really big surprise. I don't think anyone was really expecting him to go in there. Um, some people were making speculation. Apparently there was a purple and yellow, uh, you know, set of chairs near Sakurai. Um, so I, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if that's actually going to be a Waluigi thing or not, but I honestly wouldn't, uh, I, I wouldn't really, uh, <laughs> think too much into that, but who knows? You know, I think Waluigi though is pretty much destined to be an assist trophy and nothing more, but who knows if enough people, you know, complain about it, enough people, or up in arms about it, maybe as a last-minute announcement, they'll release, you know, Waluigi as a, a primary character. But, you know, it is kind of weird that he isn't a primary character just because, you know, he was in, uh, you know, Mario Tennis, he was in Mario Kart, he was in uh, Super Strikers. So it is kind of weird to see him not as a Super Smash Bros. character. It's just so hilarious because, you know, people were freaking out about Ridley. I remember when the Wii U version came out, one of the highest-rated votes was SpongeBob, which was freaking hilarious. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I hope they do that again this year. I'd, I'd like to see what kind of crazy votes people put in this time. I remember Shrek, I think was up there as one of them too. Um, everyone always wants Goku and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I think it, the characters though, so far, I mean, that game's roster is looking pretty stacked and they still actually have a lot of time to, introduce more characters and then obviously after the game releases we'll probably see some DLC for characters it's going to be a loaded roster more so than any other Smash Bros game um, the game does look like it may be downgraded a little bit graphics wise but to me with the roster and just the ability to play it on the TV and on this the handheld itself it's like a super version of the Wii U slash 3DS version cooked down into one and it's just, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be even better than that. It looks like there might be some kind of campaign um, similar uh, to maybe what they had in Brawl, like the Subspace Emercy, I think that's what it was called. I can't remember exactly what it was called. But I thought I thought that was a really, you know, fun and interesting way. It was basically fan service, 
but I thought it helped you learn the characters a little bit because you're kind of fighting against like, you know, CPU, you know, weaker enemies. It's kind of, you know, something fun to do. And I just like seeing the characters interact in the cutscenes. I, I personally liked it a lot. So I think I'll appreciate it this, this time even more if they do include something like that in this one. It just gives the game a little bit extra content and, you know, be something really cool to see. But that game's looking sick. I cannot wait for that game to come out. And, uh, man, I can't believe it's going to be coming out so soon. Um, and then there was one more story. Uh, I think this comes from a Game Informer interview with uh, one of Bethesda's, like, representatives, I think. Um, and this is kind of uh, going back to our Sony uh, crossplay episode. And, you know, that was such a big thing coming out of E3 with the whole Fortnite situation, how you can't crossplay, you can't take your profile off your PlayStation 4 and take it to other places. It's just locked down. Well, Bethesda came out and said, basically, that their new Elder Scrolls Legends game, and this is not really their major game. You know, this isn't a major, you know, AAA whatever. So it doesn't really mean that much. But they said basically that they're going to br not bring that game to... Well, they didn't necessarily say it in that way. They 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 said it in a... In, I'm trying to remember the exact quote, but I'll probably just paraphrase it here. They basically said that all the platforms are going to need to have cross-platform, even the existing ones. So even the ones on, I guess, the mobile devices... They're all going to have to include cross-play between each other. And that's a mandatory feature for every system that this is going to come to. Now, seeing as Sony is against cross-play, something is going to have to give there if that game is going to be on the Sony platform. Because it just kind of implies that, hey, if Sony doesn't allow this to be cross-played with the other systems, then it's not going to be on the Sony, this, you know, the PlayStation 4. It's not going to go on there. And that can kind of just be implied. It's something that you can kind of just count on it not being there. Um, so uh, I'm not sure how that's going to work out. It's not like they said it about Fallout. If think if they said it about Fallout, then we'd probably see some action being taken. But because this is just kind of like a mobile card game, it's not probably going to be a big deal. And yeah, I, I think you know Sony should really just <laughs> include crossplay. You know, this is just going to be an issue as time goes on. This is like the new thing. You know, we had we had these features kind of introduced like throughout the years, and this is the next big feature, the crossplay. This is the next thing, and if you're not on board with it, then you're going to run into some issues, and you're going to be you know behind. And like I said in the in the other episode, Nintendo, who has friend codes for their online system, they don't even have a party chat. They are fine with crossplay with these other platforms. It's it's just not it's not characteristic of Sony, but in the same sense it kind of is because they're very proprietary with their their stuff. But just allow crossplay, it just makes things so much easier. Uh, there was one more thing. Apparently, Forbes magazine, um, I guess linked Diablo three on the Nintendo Switch, and I thought that Diablo three was already confirmed for Nintendo Switch. I thought that was a thing, but I guess not. So when I heard this news, I'm just like, well, yeah, isn't that isn't that already known? But apparently it is not known, and it's been leaked for the Switch. And I've never played any of the, the Diablo games, but I think on the Nintendo Switch, I probably would be interested in playing it, just because, once again, 
handheld, it would be probably a lot of fun to play with friends. Um, so I've actually, I don't, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm not sure if I ever even played a dungeon crawler. I probably haven't. But it's definitely the kind of game I'd like to give a, you know, give a try on the handheld just because it's a perfect combination to learn a game for me. And, and I really, really would love to try to play with some friends with local wireless play. Please put local wireless play in there. I'd love to play games on local wireless. You don't have to worry about any of the internet connections. You can just sit there, connect the systems together. That's all I want. It's awesome. Include it. We need more games with local wireless play. That's all I ask, and I'll be happy with the game. Local wireless play. It works. It works for Mario Kart. And if Mario Kart works with local wireless play, then your game can too. All right, so now we have to go into the more unfortunate story today. And this is this has been talked about basically all week. Um, I, I think it was discovered last week, but there's just been a lot of like talk about it and a lot of information's been surfacing. And this is, of course, the Philip Mucin slash Boomstick Gaming slash IGN story. It seems like it's gotten a lot deeper and Boomstick Gaming kind of gave IGN or did IGN a favor here because now IGN is going back and looking at this guy's work and apparently they're not liking what they are seeing. So Philip Mewson, you know, I will say I want to go over just my thought process when this story first released and I did touch upon it a little bit on Twitter a couple nights ago and I just kind of wanted to talk it out just because you know, I want to get all my thoughts out there on it. It might be really discombobulated, but if it is, just know that it's all my original work. So, you know, you can't hate me that bad for it. But when I first heard this story, I thought, you know what? This is really conclusive evidence. It's obvious he took his information and his review all from Boomstick Gaming. You know, the time frames and the videos, all of them match up. It's really bad. It's really bad. I thought that this guy was probably running really late on a deadline for whatever reason. And I thought he probably panicked. He didn't want to tell anybody who was having a, a tough time. And he probably just went ahead and was like, you know what? I need to I need to do something drastic here. And he took he took the review from Boomstick Gaming, which does not make it okay. None of that is okay, even if that even if that were the situation. Unfortunately, it's not. And the reason why I thought that this might be a possibility is because I used to write for a smaller gaming website. I never plagiarized anybody, for sure. That's just not something I would do. Um, but I used to write for a small gaming website that we used to get review copies for games. Now, we would get them later than all of the major websites. I feel like they kind of you know distribute it out in terms of your traffic, I guess, that your website generates or your popularity or whatever. I'm not sure what kind of analytical data they use to determine who gets the games first we would get ours after you know the major companies so when we got our games it would usually be i guess around three days before the release date of the game or something like that it, it was i didn't know the exact specifics because i wasn't the owner of the website um, but we would get our games and we would have deadlines to complete them and not just to complete them but to uh, complete the game, review the game, post the review. If you did a video review, which I think I was usually the only one that liked to do that, and I only I, and I only had one video review, I think, for that website the entire time I worked there, if I remember correctly. Um, I did have one on a microphone as well, 
But, um, you know, we had, uh, you know, like I said, a three-day deadline. And it was really stressful. And I wasn't getting paid for any of those reviews. This was more of a hobby for me. And I was doing that along with working, along with school, all on the side. And I didn't really have a lot of time to dedicate towards the website because, you know, it really wasn't giving me any uh, means of survival. I had to, you know, obviously have my job and I had to go to school because... You know, this is what I was trying to do. I think I was trying to balance a little bit, you know, too many things at once uh, for my small, you know, brain capacity. But, you know, I, I figured, you know, he was probably in a similar situation, right? Only this is with a major company and things are a little bit more crazy. You know, if you don't hit these deadlines, then it's over. Now, with the small website, it was stressful because if you don't hit the review window in this, you know, same period of time that they want, they want that in their inbox. They want to know that you have the review and that you reviewed the game. If you don't have that review done, there's a good chance that next time that they have a game coming out, they might not hit you up because you didn't release a review on time or, you know, there's just there's a lot of things that go into that, right? But I never I never went to the uh I never went to other reviews to look at what they've done. Uh, and that's even at this like really small stage. You just don't do that. As a writer, you take pride in what you do. And one of the reasons why I left the gaming website was one, because I didn't have a lot of time, but I also felt that the quality of my reviews had really gone down. I, I had a review freaking Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2 in three days. That game is a freaking huge game. And I'm not even a Dragon Ball fan. It was really difficult for me to review that game, and it was still a good game. It still had great gameplay. It was still fun to play. Is it my favorite kind of game? No. Is it a decent game? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was it was actually really good. And and I think that, you know, there's a whole different discussion whether or not game reviews are even, you know, conclusive to what you think long term because you think things differently when you're reviewing the game originally. But I noticed that my reviews got more general and more general because I was just trying to rush through them and not really take my time with them. That's one of the reasons why I left because I felt bad. When you're a writer, you like to sit there and you like to craft things, or at least I do. I like to, you know, make things sound really good and make things sound awesome. And you can't do that if you steal someone else's work. You don't get that same pride out of it. And when you post that review, it's it's not yours. Like you don't feel the pride that comes with that. And to me, if you're going to be putting in the work as a, you know, writer, you want to feel that at the end. Otherwise, what's the point of doing it? For a paycheck? It just, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And, you know, I, you know, I did, I did review other games too. And I reviewed Dying Light and I thought that review was really good. I, I still, I still stand by that review to, to this day because it was, it was amazing. I just remember, I thought the, the default control scheme was awesome. Everything flowed. The gameplay was awesome. You know, just the whole fluidity of the game. You could like jump on things, jump off of things, attack things, slide. It was amazing. I loved it. And, you know, the fact that now I'm kind of separated from that, I can come on here and I can do cool things that I can take my time with and I don't have to rush and I can feel, you know, at least a, a sense of something when I put something out there. These podcasts might not be amazing, but at least I can, you know, make them and have fun with them and enjoy them. And they're, I know that they're my work. You know, they don't have to be incredible. They don't have to be, you know, groundbreaking and awesome and amazing to everyone else but I have fun making them and I enjoy making them so when when I found out that he didn't do that and the kind of person that he kind of 
comes off as is someone that really cares deeply for his work. You look at his videos. There's a lot of time and attention into his video editing, it seems like. It seems like he's a really talented video editor on his YouTube channel. So the fact that he went in and he was taking this stuff, to me, it was just really disappointing. And I always, like I said, I, I, I might not have said that. I can't even remember now. But I always, always try to assume the best of people. I always try to look for the best in them. And I always try to give them the benefit of the doubt. And in this case, I was just flat out wrong to do that. Because this guy, not only did he steal this review, he didn't apologize for doing it. He didn't really openly admit that he did it. And to me, that that kills his chance of getting a job in the industry ever again. It's just, you can't do that. You can't do that to your coworkers because now IGN's going to receive a lot of crap that they don't deserve for that situation. And I, I never have really understood the hate for IGN. You know, this is a, a channel that really, um, that I kind of put into place here that, you know, appreciates opinions. And, you know, you can disagree with their reviews. Some of the review scores, like the whole too much water thing, that was funny. You know, it's memeable. <laughs> it's, you know, very memeable. I, I personally didn't have a problem with it. It's like, you know, you know if, you, if you dislike the game, you have to put your honest opinion out there and it's your work. You don't have to agree with their review. Their review isn't the end-all, be-all. It's just somebody's opinion on the website. And if that's their opinion, then that's their opinion. Like, you can't you can't mess around with that. But the fact that this guy, Philip Mewson, could not formulate his own opinion was just mind-boggling to me. And I listened to Colin Moyarty's podcast. It's their uh, his side quest podcast. And he was saying that it's very rare to see somebody, you know, come in here and get in trouble for plagiarizing when it was not based around like not sorting like you know not citing something or not you know or, or taking knowledge that isn't generalized known you know generally known knowledge to the public and putting it in your your thing without citing it no this is taking an entire opinion of a review and putting it into your review as not it's it's it just doesn't make sense you, like you don't do that you know, he said that that was one of the easiest things that you could do at IGN was to write a review because you literally just have to answer a question. And it is really odd. Like, why? Like, what is happening? And then I heard some I heard some different theories about maybe what happened. Maybe it was like an Amy Schumer-like thing where he hired writers for him. But if he did that, then that's just as bad, in my opinion. It's just as bad if he did that because then he's not reviewing the game. So... Man, it was just, it was really, really disappointing to me. And the fact that he came out, he challenged a Kotaku writer who I'm not really super familiar with. I've kind of been out of this whole thing for a while now. I haven't really been keeping up with the gaming websites as much as I used to. I used to be on IGN all the time. It's just life kind of takes you by the, you know, and it you makes you, you know, go to places that, you know, you don't really, whatever. But I don't know where I was going with that. But I don't typically go to IGN anymore. I listen to their podcast still. I still listen to NBC. So Philip Mewson is going to be gone. Um, and it's just, it's so weird. And I feel bad. Brian Altano posted something on Twitter. He's one of their, you know, big timers there. Um, and it's just, it's heartbreaking to read what he's, what he has to say. And, you know, this is somebody that puts, you know, everything in there. He puts his blood, sweat, and tears in there. And I think a lot of people there do. I mean, you can't work there and and not work hard. It's just not, it doesn't work. You have to work hard if you work at a company like that. And you know how hard they, they work and how much they, they care about their craft. I mean, this is something that they love. I mean, video games are something that they love. That's why they're there. That's why they work there. And 
you know, I felt bad. I really did. And I hope that they, they get over it. I'm sure they will. I mean, they're a company that has stood the test of time. I, I, you know, probably think, I don't know off the top of my head, all the information about when they were founded and all that. Um, but I know that they've been around for a long time at this point. And I don't think they're going to be going away. I don't think that, you know, this is going to overshadow all of the good things that they've done over there. And I hope that they're not super, you know, upset about what's happening. But I know that they are. So it's, it's, it sucks. It just sucks all the way around. But, I mean, this guy, he, he apparently has been plagiarizing pretty much everything that he's ever done. So apparently he's plagiarized uh, the FIFA review from Nintendo Life. He's pr- uh, plagiarized, um, you know, some different articles. He plagiarized a NeoGAF user um, and basically word for word, actually, of a post on NeoGAF. And he even just said that he believed in himself. Like, it's, it's just weird. There's a lot of different things that you can look up. Uh, I'm not going to include them in here. He's been you know, hot copyright shirt striking people that have been including stuff in their videos. And, um, I'd like to remain non copyright claimed <laughs> if I could. Um, but he's, it's just a mess. And this is really hard for me to talk about because there's so much that it's just kind of sending my mind into like hyperdrive, but it's just, um, it's a mess. The whole situation's a mess. He, He's pretty, like I said, he's pretty much plagiarized everything. His LinkedIn profile had, you know, plagiarized, like, uh, oh, what's it called? Plagiarized, like, uh, format to it. It's like a template. There you go, template. Has that in there, just completely copy and paste it in there. It's, it's just, it is absolutely wild. So IGN basically, um, has to remove all his posts. Like, that was a, a tweet by, uh, Dan, uh, I can't remember his last name. But it's basically that that's what happened. He messed up big time and they're they have to remove all of his posts. It's just it's so it's so mind boggling. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. This is like so completely discombobulated. This is just like I said, it's sending my mind into hyperdrive as to how this guy was able to get into IGN. And it was just completely undetectable. He did it because, I mean, he just stole things from like the least likely sources and everything he could get his hands on he grabbed he was he's basically a serial plagiarist right I mean is that a thing I think it is you know I really truly believe that this guy was just pressured at a deadline and he just did something uncharacteristic and drastic to get a deadline met and I was wrong I was just completely wrong and I once again I feel bad for IGN I feel bad for this entire situation this though you know was actually kind of good for boomstick gaming I think he got a nice uh increase in subscribers so you know congratulations to him and really you have to owe him a lot of credit because he pointed something out that was a problem that could have been an even bigger problem down the line and an even even bigger mess if this guy was at this web, at this website you know longer than he was because he would have just been completely you know plagiarizing things for years to come and you know by by that time they would have to go back you know years to remove this guy's stuff from the the website so it's really it's actually really good that boomstick figured that out and he was able to report that and you know his success honestly is deserved i mean he he makes great videos. I looked at his videos. He makes awesome reviews. And, you know, he he went and just, like, told things, handled himself, you know, really well. And he didn't want anything bad to happen to Philip. 
And it was just a very classy way of going about it. And now he's pretty much saved IGN a lot of time, even though it doesn't seem like that right now. He saved IGN a lot of time because, you know, it's it's very hard to it's very hard to monitor all this all this stuff because there's so many sources out on the internet, so many people putting out reviews, there's so many things out there. If you can put things you can put things into something that it's gonna be very hard to find and and to detect. And you know, his mindset of going after a smaller uh, reviewer, uh, you know, it it might have worked. It really honestly might have worked, but people pay attention. Boomstick pays attention to what, you know, they say about him and or not what they say about him, but what, you know, the the games that he reviews, he pays attention to, you know, the things that are going on. And he was, you know, keen enough to pick up on this and uh it's it's just crazy. It really is. Um so I mean that's pretty much all I wanted to talk about in that segment of that. It's just uh this is gonna change, I think, game journalism for what it is and you know I think this for IGN they probably won't hire another YouTuber for a while um which I don't know but it's really not their fault and this is just a really odd situation though so I mean it's this wasn't their fault for hiring him if you look at his channel he was a talented guy he really was he was a talented guy he made really high quality videos and it's really it's not IGN's fault it really isn't but um, we're going to skip the Twitter topic of the day today just because um, we're really, um, looks like we're really kind of late here on time. So I'm going to end it here, but we, uh, we're, we're, we're back now. You can expect next week we're going to have a lot of content. I'm going to continue the Evil Within Let's Play and you know post episodes. I still have some episodes on my computer, so I'm going to go ahead and post those. And um, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're finally back. And next time we'll go to episode six. It'll be standalone episode six. It won't have to you know, piggyback off this episode and make it episode five again. No, it's, it's just going to be episode six. It won't be episode seven. It'll be episode six. So uh, thank you guys so much for listening in. Until next time, I will see you later. I don't have an outro that is official yet, but hey, we will find one eventually. And make sure you don't plagiarize people because it's bad. <laughs>